out and out and out and give her another one. It's fine. So it's okay. This can kill someone with COPD. Calm down. Know the physiology. Remember, this is all M1 physiology, y'all. I'm not bringing Hasabala special. This is all first-year medical school physiology. The difference between, the, in my opinion, the fantastic doctors and the less-than-fantastic doctors are the ones that remember the physiology because we use it every day in the intensive care unit. Nothing. The things we learned and wanted to forget first and second year of medical school apply every single day in the ICU. Oxygen delivery hasn't changed. The pathophysiology of COPD and the elasticity and all that stuff in the lungs hasn't changed. The, the difference is if you, if not you, I'm not picking on you, if we neglect that, we harm patients quickly. <laughs> you know, you can, you can drop along in a matter of minutes. And I, why? Why did I do that? Well, because you're, you're, you're blowing them up. Because you're, calm down, relax. Don't panic. Don't panic. So, Always just, if you can't figure out what's going on, disconnect the ventilator, disconnect it from the ventilator, bag them and try to get their sets up and then troubleshoot and call your tele, your teleintensivist. Call them, tell them I'm having difficulty with, with the ventilator. I can't, I'm, I'm, we're bagging them. Sets aren't coming up. Can you, can you come in the room and, and kind of troubleshoot things with me? And if they ever give you trouble, you call me right away. And if I give you trouble, that's a, big problem i won't ever i love when 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 you guys call i love it so that's always there for you but when you have a peak pressure alarm okay ideally we can troubleshoot a little bit the all the peak pressure says is that there's some somewhere in the in the respiratory cycle it's harder for the ventilator to push the air in why is it because the lung is now stiffer from mucus plugging or pneumothorax or hemothorax or is the airway blocked from either mucus plug or massive bronchospasm? So how can you tell the difference? Ideally, if you, if you can do this, what would tell you it's a parenchyma problem versus an airway problem? We can listen to their lungs. What else? Say again? How would you do that? How would you, if the answer was decompress their chest, how would you, how would you do that? Uh, I don't know that I would do that, especially if you have a frail person with brain, you break their, I wouldn't know how I'd do that. There's something on the ventilator I'm thinking about. Yeah, you do an inspiratory hold to get at what? Correct. You want to get the, um, you want to get the peak pressure and you want to go the, the, uh, you want to put an inspiratory hold to get the parenchymal pressure. If your peak pressure says 50, and you're, it's called the plateau pressure. It's called the plateau pressure because you create a plateau by putting an, an, an inspiratory hold on the, on the, with the ventilator. Okay, I would, I would have the respiratory therapist do this um, until you become a critical care fellow and then, you, and then you, would, you would do this. You put an inspiratory hold and then the ventilator will measure the plateau pressure. If the peak is 50 and the plateau is 49, that means it's an airway thing. It's a lung parenchymal thing. Pneumothorax, mucus plug and massive atelectasis. But if the peak is 50 and the plateau is 20, then it's an airway thing. Something in the airway. Either it's massive bronchospasm, uh, mucus plug, but that hasn't caused atelectasis of the, of the lung yet. Something like that. So, the, so if you have a massive difference between the plateau pressure and the peak pressure, that's an airway issue. If they're very similar, it's a lung issue. Obviously, if you can get a chest x-ray quickly and, and, and diagnose the problem, that would be great as well.
right? So because if it's a pneumothorax, then, then what you have to get someone to put a chest tube in. Or if it's a hemothorax. How can you tell on an, on an x-ray? You have whiteout. How do you know that it's hemothorax versus mucus plug and massive atelectasis? Because they're going to call you to look at the x-ray. How can you tell the difference? They look exactly the same. You have one lung, whited out. Tracheal deviation. Very good. Yes. Where would the trachea be deviated in a hemothorax? The opposite, away from the white. Correct? Why? Because there's pressure pushing the mediastinal contents to the other side. Right? If it's atelectasis, the trachea is deviated toward the side of the opacification. Because it's volume loss. So it's sucking down, right? It's volume loss. So it's taking the trachea down that with you. So, because one answer is test tube, and the other answer is suctioning, okay? And I would hate for you to put a chest tube in somebody that just needs to be suctioned. Because chest tubes really hurt. They're fun to do, but they hurt like hell. Because there's nothing, there's no unbarbaric way to put a chest tube in. That's why I love doing them. It's fantastic. You know, you gotta, it, 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 it fills the surgeon in me. I love it. You know, cut, make an incision, and you go down with your thing, and you, and you spread, and you poke through, and, and you or spread, and then the air comes out, or the blood, the blood gushes out. I mean, it's fantastic. But it's the wrong answer if it's just mucus plugging. Right? And you don't want to do that. Because now you've put it, now you've commit, you've condemned the patient to a chest tube because you, not you, but because you can't tell the difference between atelectasis and hemothorax. So please don't let the heart patient get harmed because of very simple things like this. Right? What what other things? Man, we could we could have another whole lecture about ICU night night issues. Just a very specific question, especially going off ventilation. With COPD patients that are very tight, you can mm -hmm. have high peak pressures because they have the bronchospasm, bronchoconstriction. And Correct. I know, like, in terms of treatment for that, I've seen, you know, of course, like your usual bronchodilators and then magnesium drips I've seen too. Do you have any other, like, tips in terms of somebody who's just a COPD or that's really tight and they're hypoxic, have high peak pressures? Like, how would you approach a patient like that? That's a very good question. So the question is, uh, with someone with COPD that has a lot of bronchospasm, that has, high, that has high peak pressures... What do you do? Sometimes it takes a long time for the bronchospasm to get to to be relieved. Um, they're gonna have high peak pressures. You may have to accept that, right? As long as so, we try to get the air because a very high peak pressure sometimes can cause damage to the lung as well. And sometimes you just have to accept it that I have to push a little bit harder to get the air into the lung. Um, magnesium drips. I've done magnesium drips for status asthmaticus. Uh, Steroids, bronchodilators. If, if there's a viral infection, that you can treat, treat it. Uh, if there's a pneumonia, treat it with pneumonia. Sometimes it just takes time. Um, the other thing is, don't achieve perfection when it's not needed to be achieved. Meaning, if the saturation is 88% in a patient with long-standing COPD, that's perfectly fine. I've had patients in my pulmonary office walk into my office with a sat in the 60s, talking, wide awake. And they had no idea they were hypoxic. And then you put them on oxygen, and they just feel amazing how better they feel. Right? So 88 and a patient with COPD is perfectly fine. You don't have to get 98. 88 is great. Right? Sometimes we may have to accept hypoventilation and hypercapnia. That's permissive hypercapnia. We heard about that. We do it in the ARDS, sometimes in COPD. Sometimes I just can't. I'm not going to kill the lung to get the SAT to be where I think it should be. So just... 
Maybe I have to accept. Yeah, I have to accept this PCO2 150, right? And if the pH is low, then I get bicarbonate to help me get me to a pH of 7.15 or, or higher. So you'd start a drip too, just to kind of... Sometimes. I mean, sometimes if it's so acidotic, right? I'd rather protect the lung from me, okay? Because okay? I can do damage to the lung in a matter of, matter of hours, and I can really damage the lung and cause worsening systemic inflammation. So if I, the point is not to stress the lung, either by volume or by pressure, and so that may necessitate not ventilating all the way. And, we, and if, if they become very acidotic, then we just treat with bicarbonate. Thank you. Of um, course. I have a question off of Great question. Off of this question, do you ever, I don't know if this is ever done in the ICU or if it's maybe more so just OR, uh, lidocaine for bronchospasm? Is that ever something that's done? Like systemic lidocaine? Like, I guess, I don't know if they just spray it down. I've, usually I'll do lidocaine to prevent coughing in, during bronchoscopy. Correct, yeah, because what I'm trying to do is try and uh, anesthetize the, the, the nerves, the, the cough sensors, so that, I, so that I can do my work, right? Because if they're coughing like crazy, I can't do my biopsies or my brushes or my transmarket biopsies. So that's what we do. We give lidocaine to try to um, uh, topically anesthetize the, the, bronch the airways so that I can do my work. That's typically what I do. I've never heard it about bronchospasm for that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've never... I've never done that before. Bomb old. Maybe something's new. If you find the literature, let me know. I'm happy to, you know, change my ways. What other questions? I think, I think we're almost... Uh, anybody in Sussex have any questions? No. no? Oh. oh, you see? <laughs> Hi, guys. I have a question yes. regarding practice here at this, this ICU because I had a second year who asked me like the next day, I think she was on, she was on night ICU and they had to intubate a patient. Um, usually anesthesia would come up to do it, mm -hmm. but respiratory therapy wanted to do it. Um, so she was taught, like she didn't know what to do. And she said, she told them no, because you know, the protocol and the policy she knows is I can't, have a respiratory therapist just intubate. I have to have an anesthetist, an anesthesiologist present for you to do that. So she wasn't sure, you know, she got pushed back from like the nurses and all because hey, RTs can intubate, but, and I did tell her, I think she did the right thing because um, the policy that we have, even if like a respiratory therapist starts to intubate and he has a problem, then who's his backup? Right. Um, so the question is about respiratory therapists and intubation. At night, because they, they have the numbers that they have to look up to. So there's usually that thing, hey, let right. me intubate at night. Right. I think um, in some hospitals, respiratory therapists are allowed and credentialed to intubate. I think we're, we're working on that here. Okay. Um, and then the anesthesiologist should be the backup, especially if the resident is not experienced in airways. I mean, I, I've, I've intubated hundreds over my career, and I know when to call an anesthesiologist when I'm, when I'm not comfortable or mm -hmm. I know that I'm, I'm getting into trouble. So I think if it's a if it's something that the respiratory therapist is competent and able to do it, I wouldn't necessarily mind, and I definitely have a, an, an airway expert as the backup, just in case. And I wouldn't keep trying to. Your ego could be dangerous. One of my IC rules: uh, your ego can be dangerous. Do, you know, if you cannot get first pass success, the, the subsequent times get harder. Now you're because if you can't do it the first time. Okay, then you cause airway trauma, 
Now you have airway trauma and bleeding and swelling with, with hypoxia. Now, you're, now you've made much harder job. So if, if, you, if you think it's a simple airway that someone can do it, no problem. But if it's gonna be a complicated airway or you feel it's a complicated airway, then the person with the, with the greatest chance for, pers for, pers for first success should be the one to do it. I mean, that, that's, that's super, super important, right? Um, your ego can be, can be dangerous. I mean, I, countless COVID people, I've seen it like, I'm not messing with that airway, right? I'm, I'm just gonna call the, I'm gonna call the expert. And then I was there to calm them down when they look at the sats and their sats were 55 after intubation. And I said, relax, bro. It's all good, bro. It's all good. And they just come up. It might take two hours, but it comes up. And they, and they were fine. Don't panic. Don't panic. If I start, I'll end in the same place. Don't panic. Please don't panic. Inside is natural. My legs, I had a guy who drank Roundup, tried to try kill himself. And that destroyed his upper airway. All I saw was blood. Okay? I saw nothing but blood. And I'm trying to intubate him because he's hypoxic. And the nurses are screaming, Sats are 70, Sats are 70. I just needed 10 more seconds to get the airway. But they're screaming, Sats are 70. So I stopped and I'm bagging. It's not working. Because his airway is blood. So now it's not working. Sats are 50, heart rate's 50. And now I'm like, okay. F this. I put the bag down. I put it. I can't see. All I see is blood. But I saw some bubbles, and I went toward the bubbles. And thank God that was the airway. And he didn't arrest. Now on the outside, I look calm. On the inside, I'm screaming. My legs are shaking. Literally, my legs were shaking. I was scared. But you have to remain calm, because if I panicked at that time, he would have arrested 100%. It was now only five, ten seconds, and he would have gone to cardiac arrest. 100%. And it's 10 times harder to intubate when you're doing CPR. So please don't panic. And always err on the side of calling the attending, the teleintensivist. They are there for your backup and your support. Don't. I think there's a lot more issues.